Welcome to Harvest to Pour, the business of beverages, with your host, Matthew Schiff. This is the podcast for all of those who are involved in the agriculture all the way to the distribution of beverages. And now your host, Matthew Shipp. Hello, this is Matthew Shipp, the host of Harvest to Pour. I'm here today with John and Jennifer Whitehead from PJ's Coffee in O'Fallon, Missouri. We're going to talk about their franchise and how they've grown in the last eight months or so. Is that right? That's right. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. good. Staying busy. Staying busy. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, can you uh, let us know a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got to where you are right now? Yeah. I mean, I wish that there was some profound moment that kind of led us to this. <laughs> Honestly, the basics of it is we had kids and we drank a lot of coffee. We always wanted to have a business together. But we weren't very sure what we wanted. Uh, we come from two very different school backgrounds. I'm a science nerd. Oh, He's okay. all business. So putting those two together to try to come up with a business, you know, doesn't always mesh well. After we had our second kid, we were drinking so much coffee and we kind of thought to ourselves, you know, coffee industry is not going anywhere. Maybe this is something we could look into. So John started diving in and was researching all of your typical coffee companies. You know, we, we looked at them, we debated them, and then he came across PJs and he shot me a text one day and was like, Hey, check them out. See, see what you think and let me know. So, uh, I went on their website and it it was one of those, like, it just felt good. It felt right. And so we started those meetings and then, um, before we know it, here we are. <laughs> yeah. And we are sitting right in the heart of their uh, cafe here. So if you do hear some noises and clinking and clanking and <laughs> machines, that's what's going on. So we are live and present. Oh, you said you were a science nerd. What kind of sciences? I am a, I am an equally a science nerd as well. So I'm curious. Um, I am a biology major with a uh, minor in chemistry. I was almost in math, but, you know, senior year, just didn't want to take that extra class. That. <laughs> All right. So well, I'm, I'm definitely kinespirit. I'm a molecular plant biologist. Okay. That I've pivoted into facilitation. So, yeah. So this is interesting, though, that John did the research. Mm-hmm. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? About that? Yeah, you know, for us and and two, it's the taboo thing of doing something as a family, right? Which was very important to us. And I mean, yes, we we drank a lot of coffee, but it really came down to what is something that both of us could have the equal amount of passion for. It's got to be something that look, if we do this, you can't want it more than me, and I can't want it more than you. And what's something that we could both, you know, again, give one hundred and ten percent to? And and that's kind of again, kind of how we backed into the industry. And so, yeah, like she said, we 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 toyed around with honestly, kind of going independent. We've toyed around with other, you know, franchise models and things like that. And ultimately, again, for whatever reason, you talk about not necessarily having a profound moment, but you click on that website, and it was like, this is it. Right. And it, it did kind of hit from that standpoint too. So it's one of those to where, uh, yeah, it kind, kind of came down to one, it had to be a family thing for us if we were going to do it. And secondly, it had to be something that we could both put an equal amount of passion into. That's all. Wow. All right. And what, what, what have been some of the challenges of getting started? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just operationally what, what, what's what, right? I mm -hmm. think is the biggest thing to say. You know, we kind of joked when we first opened, the support from the community was amazing. Those first two months, we kind of looked at each other and were like, "This is McDonald's. This isn't a coffee shop, right?" Oh. Um, now, don't get me wrong. We would, we loved, you know, ha ha having as big of a boost as we did and everything too. But then 
you know, you talk about challenges, it's kind of, okay, now that newness is worn off, right? The summer months are here where there's vacations, there's, you know, not everybody's thinking coffee when it's 110 degrees out, right? Especially with the humidity in Missouri. And so the biggest challenge is saying, okay, let's digest the data that we have. And how do we make sure that we're running this as efficiently as we can operationally, knowing that it's not going to look the same as it did in December when we opened as it does maybe, you know, heat of the summer when people again are on vacations and things like that. So... Yeah. What you do to kind of break down those operations, kind of give yourself a forecast? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is it's trial and error, I think is the biggest thing. And, you know, it's it's one of those to where we want to put our team and ourselves in the best position to win. And again, in the beginning, I think you could say that we would rather overstaff than understaff. We would rather order more product than have not enough, right? Things mm -hmm. like that to where, you know, obviously there's an expense to it and things like that. But we looked at it as, look... We've already made the investment to do this. We mm -hmm. need to make sure that, again, we're not going to be the people that go, oh, no, sorry, we can't. It's mm -hmm. going to be, yes, we absolutely can. And we kind of scaled back from there is kind of the biggest thing. But again, a lot of it is, uh, you know, there is a lot of support from the franchise, but there's so many different things that we do here that may other, st other stores may not encounter and, and vice versa. So a lot of it is kind of that trial by error. Jennifer, anything you want to add to that? You know, yeah, it's just about... Honestly, coffee education too. We're not naive in the fact that we are on a busy location that's got a lot of coffee places. So, you know, it's always why us? Why come to PJs? Why go out of your way? And the biggest thing that we can do is just kind of inform people of why our coffee is good, why we think it's better. And it just comes down to quality. And we love to inform people when they come in. They always have questions, especially if it's their first time in. And we love to, you know, spit that knowledge out to them as best we can. We even have the coffee belt hanging up on our back wall. So, you know, the more we can point that out to let people know, hey, this is where, you know, your coffee's coming from. We can actually tell you. We, we know the ins and outs of it. We know the roasting process. We know all of these details. And that's what's going to make it different. That's what's going to make it stand out. And you also mentioned on building your team. How important is that to you guys, building a team, finding those right people? And how do you go about identifying that? I think we started the whole process and we kind of decided what we wanted and what our, our founding value was going to be for our group. And honestly, it just came down to team. That's the way we look at it for all, everybody here is we're all a team. We're open books with them too. We were never going to be the open the door and walk away kind of owners. We made ourselves present. Um, we let everybody be involved. We inform them of everything that's going on. There's nothing to hide, so we're going to tell them. But it really, it was, it was just about finding that good group and us putting trust in them and them putting trust in us. And we've been so lucky to have one of the best teams that we could have ever asked for. In fact, most of the people here are still the ones that we hired day one. You know, we think that speaks volumes. Not only that, but our store has finished in the top 10 for customer service since we opened. And that's across all PJ's franchises. So that to us is just one of the biggest honors to know that everybody here actually likes coming in and working <laughs> and everybody gets along. And it's just about finding the group that's going to mesh well together, work well together. I think we've just been very blessed to be able to find those people. Congratulations on the customer service. That's really big. I Thank mean, you. customers is ideal to I mean, you can't have customers, you can't have your business. Yeah. Were there any challenges around forming your team, just kind of getting that number right? Or was it just understanding the personalities you were looking for? Yeah, I, th I think every step of the way, it was about knowing who we had as a person and their personality and the people 
from there on out, it was how do we build around these certain people? Who's going to step in? What strengths do we have? Where are some areas we need more strengths in? So it's really about recognizing the strengths of certain people, building off of others. Yeah, you know, we it wasn't as hard as what we thought it was going to be, I think. I got really lucky. Everybody wanted to work here. And so we just combed through those applications and found the right ones. Okay. Uh, what is the ways you utilize your team since it's so strong? It has allowed us to be more present with our family. You know, we have three kids and John still has a full-time job. And so between school and daycares and just family functions in general, you know, we missed a lot in the beginning just because you, we have to be here. You have to make sure everything's running operationally. And now that um, everybody's kind of settled in, it's given us freedom and we get to step away in the afternoon or step away during the day or on the weekend and know that this place is being taken care of. They know what to expect. They know how to handle situations. So it's really just about having that trust in them. But they also know that they can always contact us at any time. You know, there's faith in them from us, but they also know that if they ever need anything, we're still going to be right here. And finally, what would you say your team is best or strongest at? Probably just customers in general. I, I think communicating and interacting with them. We've always heard when people come in here, they really love how welcoming that they feel. If it's their first time, they never feel like they're out of place. Or they don't know what's going on. And, you know, it's to the point where those regulars that come in, we see them walk in and we can call them out by name. And most of the time we already know what they're going to order. <laughs> so things like that. And I think it surprises people when we do recognize them the first time and start saying their name, but they just give, they tell us it gives off a presence of, it's just a welcoming environment. So I think that is the biggest part of our team. They make everybody feel welcome who come in. Okay. Uh, we're going to move into the kind of the heart of my title of our podcast, Harvest of Poor. Now I know you guys are your franchise, but I also read a little bit in that website and you guys get to actually tour the roastery. Did you guys tour the roastery? We did. Yep. You did. Okay. Uh, what did you notice there? What did you see there? What did you like? Uh, did you get to meet the roast? The Roastmaster. Yep. Yeah, Felton. Roastmaster. Oh, yeah. Uh, Felton. Uh-huh. Tell me about that. I mean, to start there with Felton, I mean, he brings the energy. You know, we just talked about our team and, and kind of what separates everything. I think it's just you look at it, it's authentic, right? It's not, hey, you know, they're being nice because they have to or whatever the case is. You know, again, we brought our team together from a personality standpoint. And I think that kind of hits home with PJs too. So it starts from the top, but also with Felton being that roast master, you can tell his absolute joy for coffee. You can see it. You see it in his eyes. You can hear it in his voice. And you can tell from the team that he has working in the roasting facility too. So it starts there. But yeah, it's just one of those things where there's so much passion behind it. And he himself goes and he visits these farms personally and he has those interactions and, and does all these things. And again, you just feel, I guess, comfortable is the best word that you know that, okay, not only am I putting pride in our family and everything behind this, but literally they are doing it too. So again, it's that same concept of our team. We're never going to ask them to do something we wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And literally from a company standpoint, they're doing the same thing. All right. You mentioned one, I think Jennifer, you mentioned the, uh, the coffee belt mm -hmm. behind me somewhere. Yeah. So it's hanging up on the wall. There's kind of glare on it right now, but the coffee belt, um, basically where PJ sources most of their coffee in Felton, you know, goes to these farms himself and he helps not only set them up, but then he goes every few times a year to inspect them, um, to help them out, see where they, he can help them and provide them. I think the best thing about Felton is that, which impressed me the most is that he inspects every batch that comes in. 
personally. So they'll send him a pre-batch of, hey, this is what you got coming. And he is not afraid. And he held out a batch that he rejected. And we look, we all looked at each other like, I have no idea why you did that. And he's like, oh, because of this, this, and this. And to us, it looked fine. I mean, mm -hmm. I would have probably thrown it in my own grinder and had it myself. But to him, it was less than perfect. And that's not going to be okay for him. You know, he's just one of the greatest people I think I've ever seen when it comes to coffee. But I'm sure it's really hard to travel with him because I'm sure his standards of coffee <laughs> are probably pretty high. Definitely his enthusiasm extends to all the PJ's coffee and, yes. and this one as well. Uh, and what does he mostly source? Do you know? Man, so it depends on the time of year. I know that we've gone more rotational, so seasonal. They're trying to enhance the bean as much as they can for the flavors that we're getting. Whereas PJ's, um, they do have a wide variety of coffee and it's great. They're trying to really make sure that the quality is there every step of the way. We're not going to have like a Windsor Court blend all year long anymore. It's going to be more seasonal. And that's just to make sure that where those beans are coming from are going to be the top in its, in its batch. There's Nicaragua, um, Vietnam, Brazil they go down to. Papua New Guinea is one of them too. So yeah, I mean, big hitters. <laughs> okay. And, and I know they roast in New Orleans. Yes. Uh, getting all that coffee from New Orleans to, uh, was it like 145 uh, PJs? Yeah, I think they're over 150 now. All right. So it's, uh, he said there's 158 active and about 200 in development. Have you uh, ever had coffee come in and just a little, has, has been, or I guess what I'm asking is how does, how do you determine freshness then? Um, so all bags are dated <clears throat> after they're roasted in bag, they're all dated and there will be nothing on our shelves that is over 90. I think they just 120 days now. Everything that you have will never be older than 120 days. Okay. Um, the way our rotations work is whatever you see on our shelf, that's what we're pulling to brew. So, I mean, the confidence that's there, it's not like we're just putting it on our shelf and mm -hmm. letting it sit. We're using it. We're rotating mm -hmm. them. So whatever comes in gets pulled from our source in the, or our storage in the back and we put it up front. And then we constantly make sure we're rotating through. If it's ever, if there's ever a date on there over 120 days, it will not be on the shelf. All right. And normally, if I was talking to a roaster, I would ask them how they make their coffee uniquely theirs. Because there's coffee roasters all over the U.S., all over the world. But everybody does, has their own creative process to make their coffee uniquely theirs. Here at PJ's, how do you make your product kind of uniquely O'Fallon's in its own way? I mean, you are PJ's coffee, but... You, you have your own spin on it, I'm sure. Yes and no. We like to stick to the brand name, consistency. We want somebody who is from New Orleans that comes up here and is like, oh, wow, you guys have a PJ's here and have them walk in and have nothing be different for them. Tastes exactly the same. For PJ's, it is about using the top 1% of Arabica beans and small batch roasting. That's what makes the difference. So every bag of coffee that you're going to get is going to be evenly roasted. You're not going to have anything that's burnt, bitter, or under-roasted. The quality that's there in every bag of coffee for PJs, that's what we want to keep and, you know, stay consistent with that. As far as, you know, making something uniquely O'Fallon, our baristas are nothing but creative coming up with all kinds of drinks. You can easily ask any of them at any time, like, what's your favorite drink? And they'll be more than happy to tell you. And most of the time they'll tell you, oh, here's my spin on it. This is what I like to do. Or this is what we've seen people do. They come up with their own drinks all the time. And I think that's, you know, probably what makes us us too. Definitely. Yeah. So you're, you're encouraging their creativity and that's, you know. Absolutely. Ab okay. We get a little bit into kind of growth of O'Fallon, uh, PJ's coffee here. 
What do you see next for TJ's Coffee here in O'Fallon? What, what are you hoping for? What is your ideal state? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is, is it's, it starts here. I mean, for us, it's very important to have, I guess you could say, a central or a main hub. So our family, what we would like to do is, is ultimately bring three uh, PJ's locations to the area. Now, when I say area, we would love to obviously keep it here in, in not only O'Fallon, St. Charles County, but it's one of those we also need to find the need and, and availability as well. But for us, it's very important to have one, I guess you could say, in our backyard um, since we do live in O'Fallon. So, I mean, our goal is to make this as big as we can be. You know, I think it starts with, you know, we do have our core group of loyalty customers and we do have some people daily that come in and, and, and they go, hey, I've never tried you before, which is great, right? We always want that. But it's how do we expand on that to be, you know, the go-to to where when there is a business meeting, it's, hey, we're going to PJs, right? Mm-hmm. When a school's going, hey, we want to cater something for a teacher, it's going to PJs or something along those lines. I think that's what's next for us is to be not just, oh, hey, that's a great place, but it's how do we become that staple for individuals to think first and foremost is what's that look like but from there it's it's honestly it's growing from within a lot of these individuals that we have on our team like jenna mentioned they've been here from the start and we intend them for them to be here for a long time and and we you know we know that we're only as good as the as as you know as our team and we're so grateful for them and a lot of these you know again um we want them to continue to grow with us we have individuals that are going look yeah i would love to take that next step and i would love to be that key holder. I would love to, again, be that, 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 that shift leader, whatever the case you want to be. But our intention is that we bring our team with us. It's not just, a, oh, hey, you're in O'Fallon. It is what it is. It's no, how do we promote our people that we have? And then how do we again, continue that culture? Okay. You mentioned that you were hoping people would start thinking about you for the business meetings and the, uh, and the events. What are other, some of your other challenge, current challenges you're facing right now? I think we hit on it in the beginning. It's really about now that the newness is worn off, um, how do we keep them coming back? For some people, in the beginning, we heard they were you know, coming from 30, 40 minutes away. So how do we get them to say, okay, let's make that trip out there? And how do we get people to know that, hey, it, it may feel like it's five minutes out of the way, but... I mean, it's going to be worth it. So come out this way. Really, it's just about appealing to the customers, making sure that we understand the market that's around us and the need. That's why for the summertime, we have all the Red Bull infusion drinks and the boosted teas. We know that those are a big deal with younger generations and, you know, just summertime in general. So it's really about playing the market, playing the time of year and making sure that we understand the people that are around us and how do we get them to want to come back. Does that also play into what you see uh, you you doing for the community here? Yeah, we want to make that community footprint. And we want people to know that while this is a franchise, this is very much locally owned and operated. We're a part of this community. So we want it to thrive as much as anybody else does. You know, we have tried different things. We've got a business card board that's up here. Some local businesses that are around us have put their business cards out. And I can't tell you the number of times I see people who are just waiting in line stand there and look and take cards. That to us, that's helping other people in our community get business. Uh, we have a community board up that people come in and they hang stuff up on. We see other people, you know, reaching up, grabbing it. We want to give back as much as we can. We've been involved in golf tournaments and chamber events, charities and school fundraisers. We really want to make our footprint in the community, you know, as a place that supports local as much as we are local. And if somebody wants to start a franchise like at PJ's or somebody else, is there, what have you learned and what would you like to share with somebody hoping to do this? <laughs> 
Wow. Um, <laughs> um, I, that That's so hard because people have asked me before, is it everything you thought it was going to be? Is it different? Honestly, I can say I don't know because I don't know what my expectation was coming in. I don't know what I've truly expected. I think everybody says, of course, expect the time commitment, expect it to be hard work, expect to, to put in all your effort. But I feel like there's just so much more that goes into it. And while you can get over, you know, being tired and waking up at four o'clock or earlier every day to come in, there's all the back end stuff that is there. It's work, but is it worth it? And if you take a step back and you go, man, would I rather be doing this or would I rather be at a job that's just, eh, you know, and it's not mine and it's not something that I can be proud of. I think that makes it worth it. Just just know it's going to be work. If you're not willing to put in the work and you just want to unlock the door and walk away, I don't know, maybe think about something else. But if you want to be proud of something, go for it. It's worth it. Great, great. And John, from your perspective, looking at, uh, I believe, uh, Jennifer's, you're here most of the time and you, you said you, you have another job as well. But So what, what does it look like from your perspective as well, starting yeah. a franchise? Uh, I, first and foremost, I would say do it. It's one of those things, like Jen said. I mean, it's a lot of hard work, but at the end of the day, a lot of people kind of toy the line of, can I own my own business and can I do this? And what does it look like? And the answer is, yeah, do it. Right. And for us um, and me specifically, roles kind of reversed um, from the two of us. And so, uh, so I'm with farmers insurance. I'm an agency business consultant with them and I, I've been with them now since 2013. So it's been a little bit, but uh, I was the one that was working 80 plus hours a week and working nights and working evenings and, and doing all that. And I'm an independent contractor with them as well to knowing the flexibility and, and all those things that kind of come with it. That was very important for us in our decision too, is we have three children. And with Jennifer, it was one of those of how do we give her a little bit more of that freedom back? And that's not to say she doesn't because she works 80 plus hours just like anybody else would, but there, there are hours, right? So it's one of those where, yeah, she comes in at 4am and she busts her ass. But at the end of the day too, if we have somewhere to go and it's noon on a Thursday, she has the ability and we have the team in place that allows her to be at that school function for our kids or to take and go to the zoo or whatever the case is that maybe she wouldn't get in that kind of corporate America environment. And to us, that's, that's everything. But to answer your question specifically, yeah, roles have reversed because now it's, it's one of those where my primary focus is, yeah, I have that quote unquote other job, right? Or, the, or a full-time job, but it's taking care of the kids. And I do come in and I close every evening as well. So it's one of those where we're both here literally every single day. But again, it's one of those to where it's worth it. It's fun. And I've not, we were actually just talking about this last night with two of our girls. It's not a job. We have another individual. Her name's Lee. She's a nurse, but she comes in and she works two days a week with us in the evenings. And she's like, this is my therapy. She's like, I love coming in here. She closes with us on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights. And she's like, it's just my release to just kind of be here and be in a different environment. And she's like, I just, I just love doing this. Right. That's how we view it too. You would never call it a hobby because it's definitely a, our, our, our life, a livelihood. Right. But it's one of those to where you enjoy coming in with these two, especially that are working right now and things like that too. It's just one of those where, you know, it is that you hate to say it, but that mini family, that's kind of away from home and you create that culture. And yeah, for us, it's, it's fun. I think is the best way to put it. It's a lot of hard work and it's very stressful, but it's also a lot of fun too. So that reward of being able to control your freedom and your time and where you want to put it is definitely a big reward. 100%. And I would tell you, I learned that, you know, on the insurance side is when I was young and dumb and not married and anything like that, you know, it was how fast can I grow and how much money can I make and how can I do all these things? And 
well, yeah, that's important. I would tell you my priorities have changed drastically, right? And I will tell you the flexible career path is the most important thing to me. That's above income. That's above literally everything else. And it's having that that freedom and that lifestyle and, and, and that choices to make with your family. To me, that's everything. And again, it was something that we very much considered when we were looking at doing this is what's something that we can, for lack of better words, get Jen more involved in. But again, that has the equal passion to where you know, it's not a burden. It's not a this. It's not a that. It's this is, hey, this is something I truly wake up and I want to do when I wake up. A couple more questions here. And this one tends to be the hardest. What is your favorite beverage? Oh, uh, anything iced. I am an ice girl all the way. So it could be snowing outside and I'm still going to drink an ice drink. It changes though. I think being around coffee all the time, you kind of have to change it up or you're going to get bored. Right now, um, shaken espresso. I particularly like to use praline and vanilla and then top it with some oat milk and sweet cold foam. Hits the spot every time. Awesome. <laughs> Don? So I call mine the Debbie. So Debbie's one of our wonderful morning shift workers, but uh, she created this for me one day. But literally, I get it every single day. It's bad. But I get an extra large white chocolate and praline iced coffee. And it's absolutely fantastic. And I literally get it every single morning. And then I get a second coffee of just whatever else that I might be feeling that day. But it's one of those staples. So again, I, I cannot honestly say that it is my favorite and it's a daily a daily thing. But if I had to say one other, um, you know, I would definitely say it's our cold brew. I mean, it, it's fantastic. You could taste the difference. It's less acidic. It's just one of those that when you, again, you take that drink, it's very smooth. It hits the spot. And again, you know, like Jen had mentioned, there's a whole bunch of different custom flavors that you can make too. So again, it, it takes out that repetitiveness to go, okay, well, I've done caramel. I've done this. I've done that. And you can get creative with it too. But I would say, yeah, it, it definitely starts there. Uh, just on the cold brew, the thing about that is, so PJ is named after Phyllis Jordan. She's the founder. She's actually one of the creators of the cold brew toddy system that we use and that a lot of other coffee places use as well. And because of that system, that's what makes our cold brew two-thirds less acidic. So it's definitely not as harsh on your stomach. We've had quite a few people who come in specifically for the cold brew and get it because it doesn't hurt their stomach like it other places do. So just a little fun fact, Phyllis Jordan is one of the creators of the cold brew toddy. That's cool to know that's hotty. I actually I have some colleagues in Germany and they kind of stopped drinking coffee because they said they were giving them like heartburn, palpitations, stomach aches. I'm like, have you tried a cold brew where you don't like actually hot brew at first? Well, what kind of system is that? And I sent them like the toddy system and they've tried it and profusely thanking me that they can drink coffee again. <laughs> so that does it matter. Does. It also gets you in trouble because then you drink it a lot faster and then you get more. <laughs> ah, you still get the, you still get the caffeine. Yet. Yes. <laughs> All right. And finally, do you have any upcoming events or promotions you'd like to talk about or even just anything that's seasonal? Yes. Big seasonal ones are obviously pumpkin. Pumpkin spice is coming back across mm. America at this point. So we'll have s'mores flavors as well. And then probably the biggest announcement that I know that everybody has been begging us for is chicory. We will finally have chicory coffee. And that is probably the biggest announcement that PJs could drop of all time. Everybody wants something that is New Orleans, you know, what makes you guys different in New Orleans? And we've had so many people ask us for chicory. So we have been asking and asking and asking, how do we get it? How can we source it? And PJ's has just been trying to find a good source for it and a way to make sure that they maintain the quality that they have and the standard that they have. Word on the street is that they finally have that. And so it's going to be coming to PJ's please soon. Hopefully we have a date for that uh, coming up. 
Yeah. And I have, I guess I have, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, she she left out the most important, in my opinion. Yes, pumpkin's there, and I am as basic as it gets when the pumpkin comes out, I'll admit it. But we have a Bananas Foster as our next limited time offer, wow. um, and it is absolutely fantastic. And so that's something that I will be singing from the rooftops, and I'll probably be handing out samples out there on Highway K. It's, it's one of those, that it's my absolute favorite coffee bean, but also flavor as well. This is a flavored coffee? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I was just about to ask. I had one more question as I was staring at the back of these. Of like your medium, your dark roast, if you had to pick one for just drinking black, what would you what would you suggest? Southern pecan. Southern pecan. Um, PJ's flavored coffee is like no other because PJ's actually roasts the flavor into the beans. It's mm-hmm. not done with, you know, a whole lot of additives. We don't have to add syrups to it. What you're pulling out of that bag to grind and roast, that's what you're going to get. And Southern pecan is actually the first bag of coffee that we bought off of PJ. So, you know, we found the website. We're like, okay, well, we got to try the coffee. If you don't love the coffee, how do you start a business? Mm-hmm. Uh, Southern Pecan is what we got because all over their website is number one flavor, you know, this, that. So we're like, oh, we'll be the judge of that. And we were proven right. <laughs> so it's by far the best. It's also something that people love when we actually brew for the day. They mentioned they'll always ask, what flavor do you have today? And when we say Southern Pecan, it's usually the first thing to go. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, for your time talking to me. Everybody, come on out here to PJ's Coffee in O'Fallon off of Highway K in Missouri. Definitely come out here. Also, we never mentioned anything. They have a thing called beignets out here, and <laughs> yes. they are excellent. Uh, I gave a beignet to my kid for the first time, and he took a bite out of it. He didn't finish biting it. He gave me the side eye, and he leaned away from me <laughs> like, this is mine. And so, yeah, definitely come out here. I think they're made fresh. Is that correct? They are. They're made fresh to order. We'll have, and a lot of people think that we stop making them at certain points of the day. We absolutely not. From 5.30 a.m. when those doors open to 7 p.m. at night when they close, that beignet machine is running. So they are made fresh to order. We also have beignet bites. They're little mini beignets. They go in a cup, which makes it very easy to eat in the car. Yeah. So for the people who are worried about powdered sugar everywhere, those are probably the best way to go. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for your time. I really enjoyed this and talk to you guys again soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Harvest of Poor, the business of beverages with Matthew Shep. Check the show notes for our guest contact information and connect with Matthew Shep on LinkedIn today.